Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Cardinals GM Steve Kime. Kime time. With Burns and Gambo. Presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Welcome back. It is the Burns and Gambo show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, as we're live from Footprint Center. And it's Friday, and it's 3 o'clock. And as we do on all football Fridays, we talk with the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, Steve Kime, who joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line, even on a bye week. Steve, we appreciate that even though I'm sure you've got uh, a whole lot going on on the team's week off. We appreciate you joining us. Oh, thanks, man. Just uh, enjoying uh, a little bit of time, downtime, and the ability to get out here and do what I love to do and scout football players. I was going to say, are you scouting any of the big games this weekend? Is that the is that on the agenda? I am. I just cannot disclose my location. <laughs> fair, fair enough. We will we will not ask you where you are right now. The, let's look back for a minute on the Chargers' loss. Um, overall, I thought one of the better games you guys had played, and I got to imagine that adds to the frustration level a little bit with that game. What did you see out of your team on Sunday against LA? Yeah, very much so, and I think it comes back to um, one of the things that I harped on earlier in the season that I thought we did well was 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 play offensive football with some balance. You know, run the ball with effectiveness, and James Conner having over 100 yards rushing, and uh, some of the things I felt like Kyler played a good football game for the most part, and um, got his full complement of weapons finally. You know, with with uh, with Hop and and uh, and Hollywood, obviously Rondale missing, but you know I. It's tough because, like you said, I think we did some really good things that are positive that you can build on, but at the same time, a loss is a loss, and you can't make any excuses. You mentioned James Conner, and that was by far his best performance so far of this season, and it kind of runs in the face of what you would have expected considering the injuries that have taken place along that offensive line. What do you think was the key for that successful ground game with the huge game from James Conner that you guys had this last week? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think just you know, organizationally, it says a lot about um, sort of you know the, the sequence of events that happen when you're talking about having a patchwork offensive line, and you talk about having um, you know a, a fill-in offensive line coach and Steve Hyden, who I thought did a fantastic job, uh, and just you know James Conner's a competitive guy. I mean, he runs with physicality, and he's he's niftier than people think, and I just uh, attribute to all those guys, you know, to be able to step up and when the lights came on, they, 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 they did a solid job. How do you think that situation given, you know, with the coaching change and the way it went down in Mexico City and then having to react to it like that, how do you think your guys, your coaches, your personnel handled all that on the week? So I think about as good as possible. I mean, any time that you have things happen, um, you know, you just got to, everybody's got to put their, their hands in and, and do the best they can. You know, it's sort of our organizational philosophy. You just come through the door and roll up your sleeves and do the best you can. And, you know, everybody's got their lanes to stay in. And um, we just got to be uh, working in the same direction. And I think that, again, I, I, I testament to those guys, especially with the offensive line. I mean, I've never, again, I, excuses with injuries are, are certainly, um, not acceptable in the NFL because everybody has them. But, you know, when you go through lining up with 77 different players, which is number one in the NFL, and 12 different starting combinations, you know, it's just, it's it's difficult. But at the same time, you look at the Super Bowl champions that are going through similar type stuff with their injuries. So, um, you know, again, it's, it's a week-to-week league, and, and obviously we were focused on New England and, and, and feel like we have some, some things to prove. 
I don't mean to pour salt in your wounds with the way that that game ended, but just kind of talking about the way the NFL in general has kind of changed their philosophy of uh, philosophy in those you know late fourth quarter overtime moments, going for the win as opposed for the tie. That was two games this last week in the NFL that ended with a successful two point conversion. Do you just continue to think that this is going to be the trend moving forward that we'll see more and more of this? Uh, I don't want to say risky, but more calculated decision making at the end of games when it comes to whether to try to send it into overtime or win it in the moment? I, I do, and I think in particular some of the more uh, younger head coaches uh, rely a little more on the analytics side of it. Um, you know, whether it's what's the probability of, of, of going for it and, you know, our, our chances are 75% uh, versus, you know, obviously the, the alternative. And it's, um, to me, that, that, that that's, I, I think analytics are a, a positive part of the game, uh, but I think also sometimes, you know, as a coach or as a general manager, you have to use that information, but you have to understand there's an in- instinctive part of the game, too, that you have to follow. Steve Kime, general manager of the Cardinals, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Given where you guys are in the standings, given where you guys are on the calendar, obviously the goal is still to win games for you and for Cliff and for everybody in the organization, but tonally, do things change a little bit in terms of evaluation, younger players, snap counts, things like that? How differently, given the set of circumstances you're in, do you sort of change things for these last five games, Steve? Well, you know, I think that, number one, every week you want to win. Two, um, you do want to see young players, and unfortunately, or fortunately, we, we've had an opportunity to see a lot of our young players. When you look at our draft choices, and, and Trey, and uh, obviously Maji Sanders, and Cam, and, and all those guys that are that are playing, and they're actually continuing to get better and better, which are, are good signs for us. But at the same time, there are growing pains. And, um, you know, week to week, we, we go through that and we see it. Uh, you know, I think that it's not going to change our approach. Our approach is always going to be to win football games, regardless of who's out there on the field. But again, I, I you know, just the way that things have fell this year, it's been unfortunate and disappointing and obviously unacceptable uh, to not only our organization, but our, to our fan base. Would you expect to see more playing time for Cameron and MyJ in these final five games, do you think, specifically yeah, with those I mean, two? I think, I, I, I think that Cameron's continuing to see more time, and and uh, when they do, I mean, I think to even the fans, I think you guys would all say that you see MyJ and, and Cam both flashing a lot of ability, which is uh, a great positive, because we all know how hard it is to find pass rushers. So if you can find two of those guys in the middle of the draft that have a future and have the ability to create pressure, uh, and I think JJ's done a great job from the inside. Marcus Golden continues to play with a great motor. You know, we, we, we've had some uh, the ability to get pressure when I think maybe people were concerned about we didn't have the right type of personnel. I think that's one of been in more and more bright spots, I guess, or maybe the unexpected that some of those young kids are really coming around and playing good football. Well, another one of those guys on that defense is Isaiah Simmons, who had a pretty solid game against L.A. last Sunday, including a big early sack. Do you feel like this defense, with especially the younger guys, uh, even up to like a Zach Allen, do you think that they're starting to find their rhythm, find their, their pacing a little bit as this season has gone on and on? I don't think there's any question. I think Vance Joseph has done a fantastic job. He deserves a lot of credit. Um, and I think, again, those young guys, you just nailed it. Zach, Zach Allen playing fantastic football. Um, and you go down the list of whether it's our two safeties. You know, obviously, I think the corner's an area that we can, can, can make some improvements. But uh, for the most part, I've been very pleased with the way our defense has played, especially those young guys, those young defenders. I think Zayvon's playing good football. Uh, Isaiah, again, they make mistakes like a lot of guys do, but they also 
also make big time plays, which, you know, six for five linebackers that can run like both of those guys do, they're hard to find. Steve, I got to ask, are you bothered by another round of conversation about Patrick Peterson and comments from Patrick Peterson about members of your organization? I, I don't pay attention to it. I, I, uh, I got enough on my plate. You know, four kids at home and uh, obviously the, the job that, um, that I have to do and the pressure that comes with it. I, have, I don't, yeah, I'm sort of uh, out of the loop on all that stuff. I don't have social media either. So, but, um, you know, guy was great for 10 years for the Cardinals and certainly have a lot of gratitude for what he did for us. Not specifically to him then, but given the last couple of weeks, Kyler continues to be kind of at the center of the conversation and kind of a two-parter here. How do you think he's responded to being the center of the conversation for the last couple of weeks? And, and can he use being the center of the conversation as sort of a self-evaluation kind of moment to use it to even get better, to use this to improve? Well, the fact that Kyler had to sit two weeks with the injury, I honestly thought from, from my perspective that the way he came back, watching his body language, his approach, the way he played in the game, I thought he actually did a very good job. And uh, maybe sometimes th- th- those opportunities to be able to sit back and, and watch uh, are chances to grow. And uh, I think Kyler played a good football game, and I thought he did some really good things in terms of decision-making and uh, you know times that he had to run with the football, which are obviously difference makers for us. Last one on Kyler. Did, did There was a report that he and Cliff kind of used the time to, to build the relationship, mend the relationship. I'm not exactly sure what the right word is. Did, did you notice that as part of the improvement in Kyler when he came back after the injury? Was that a factor in it? I didn't I didn't know anything about mending. I just know that that, that quarterback group is, is close uh, with Colt and, and uh, obviously Kyler and Trace. You know, I think it's a good room and uh, as far as I know, I think, I think those guys have all, you know, great um, respect for each other and uh, I think the more communication they have the, the better obviously we're going to play and if, if that means that, that Kyler's chances to sit out and watch and would, would uh, increase communication with Cliff and our offensive uh, coaches you know then, then that's obviously a huge positive and yeah. that's that's all we can ask for last one for you Steve before we let you go and, and again kind of with the just given where you guys are right now you're a former football player you you are the general manager of football players do you worry about motivation in these last five games do you wonder where it comes from in these last five games given where you guys are organizationally right now you know, I, that's a great question, but I, I think it sort of goes back to the evaluation process. You know, the one thing that I've tried to do with our scouts and, and our coaches is to try to hammer home the idea that we want competitors. Uh, obviously, Buda Baker is the, the poster child for that. Um, if you gotta, if you got to get uh, excited to play on Sunday and you, you're getting paid this kind of money and you can't get up for it and you're not feeling it, obviously they're not the kind of players we want around here and then certainly work themselves out of the organization. But I know that I have a lot of respect for the Buda Bakers and the J.J. Watts and the guys who I know are going to lay it on the line each week regardless of the situation. Steve, as always, we appreciate the time. Safe travels. Uh, enjoy the bye week, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Appreciate you, man. Take care. Thanks, Steve. Well, Steve Kime joining us here on the Arizona Sports Line, the Bud Light Super Bowl Music Fest featuring three incredible nights of shows, including Imagine Dragons, Dave Matthews Band, and Paramore. We'll be headed to the Footprint Center from February 9th through the 11th. Tickets are now on sale, but you can head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win tickets. Now, when we come back, we're going to react to what Steve had to say. Obviously, a lot of talk about Kyler. We'll talk about the state of the Cardinals, what motivation they have left at this point in the season. That's all next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Football Friday with 
Burns and Gambo, presented by 72 Sold. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The fact that Kylo had to sit two weeks with the injury, I honestly thought, from, from my perspective, that the way he came back, watching his body language, his approach, the way he played in the game, I thought he actually did a very good job. And uh, maybe sometimes th- th- those opportunities to be able to sit back and, and watch uh, are chances to grow. And uh, I think Kylo played a good football game, and I thought he did some really good things in terms of decision-making and uh, you know times that he had to run with the football, which are obviously difference makers for us. Steve Kime with us a moment ago. Jordan Bird is in for uh, Gambo here on the Burns and Gambo show as we're live from Footprint Center, and today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Sportsbook. Of course, our weekly visit with Steve Kime, and obviously it's, you know, it has been a real tumultuous time for the organization top to bottom. In fact, I even challenged Gambo the other day to, you know, it's been a bad year for the Cardinals organization. When you think about everything that's happened in the 2022 calendar year, right? I mean, it, it's been it's been rough. Well, I think it, you could even date back into a little bit of 2021. Sure, with how it ended. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and everything there. But in particular, these last couple of weeks, there has been an awful lot lot of talk about Kyler Murray, whether it was that Monday night game in Mexico City and that five-minute pregame segment on ESPN, Steve Young's comments, RG3's comments, um, whether it was Patrick Peterson now and what he said, whether it was Ian Rappaport's report over the weekend about you know Kyler and Cliff kind of used the two weeks off or, or the injury break to kind of reestablish their connection or anything. It There might be a silver lining to this in that maybe that amount of attention on Kyler causes him to get a little self-reflective about things he needs to do differently, causes him to be better about his body language, what type of leader he is, what type of quarterback he is, how he works the room, things like that. I don't, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying that an opportunity like this kind of presents that chance for it to happen, perhaps, for Kyler. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the hope that it happens, it, yes. right? I mean, this is not the first time these attributes, qualities of Kyler Murray have been called into question since he's been the quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals. So it's not like this is new. And in those previous instances where this has happened, I don't think we saw a 180 personality change from Kyler Murray. So not to be a Debbie Downer, but what makes us think that now all of a sudden, because of the latest round of criticism, this is going to be the switch now that's going to get flipped and he's going to be this awesome teammate and be completely locked in and all that stuff. I, I just think that there is a hope that it happens. Yeah, because, it, and we mentioned this earlier, whether you can think whatever you want about Patrick Peterson, you can think whatever you want about about any of it, right? It does all speak to our primal kind of core fear that this is who Kyler Murray is and he's never going to be able to change from that. And I, I think about, in some ways, if those words come out of my mouth, I think about a guy like DeAndre Ayton. You know, in some ways, it's it's the same conversation. It's this, this fear that at his very core, what he is is just a cool, laid-back dude from the islands who just doesn't have that kind of fire to blow dudes up every single night the way Devin Booker has that fire to blow dudes up a little bit. And while we're hoping is that DeAndre Eaton's kind of going through a little bit of a personality transfusion here these last few games. 
And I think we hope the same thing with Kyler, but we also, you know, understand that's 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 a big ask, right? I mean, that, that's if this is who you are, that that for a lot of people, that's who you're going to be no matter what, you know? It's a big ask, especially with the using DeAndre Ayton and Kyler Murray using that comparison. DeAndre Ayton has Monty Williams, and I know that that has been at times a little tumultuous as well. Sure, but it's also been a little bit of a tough love relationship. Kyler, at least on the outside looking in, it doesn't seem like he has that. So we're talking about, is this all that Kyler's going to be? Or I don't think we're going to know Kyler's full potential until we get an opportunity to see him with a different play caller yeah. and potentially with a different head coach. Yeah, no, and that and that does seem like, I don't know what's going to happen these next five games. I, I, I know he just signed the contract extension. I know there's a conversation that, well, if you do it to Cliff, you got to do it to Steve, and are they willing to do it to both? I mean, we've we've talked about that so many different times. At this point, we just kind of have to wait to see what happens in the offseason to see what it's going to be. But I think at its very core, Kyler Murray is your franchise quarterback for at least the next two years, probably three. And then you can start to get off that, and financially it's not as bad. I, I, I think... The more we go along with this, it seems like the only real solution is pairing him with a different head coach to see if you can elicit a different kind of reaction. Because I, I, I don't know where you stand on this. I actually do think that people can change a little bit, and not in like the Rocky Four kind of way. But like if you're a like ending the Cold War, yeah, like like Rocky Balboa, you know, saving the world from nuclear holocaust because he gave a speech at the end of a boxing match in Moscow. No, the not Paul like Burrow that. Loved it. <laughs> if I could change. You can change. We all can change. I do think people, personality-wise, can change. I, I like. I, I think I'm different than I was in my twenties. Oh you know? yeah. I think I'm way different than I was in my teens. You know, and not just because I grew up, but because I just. I think you change. I don't know if it can happen as quickly as people wanted to, but if people don't like Kyler Murray's personality, I think he can change it. If people don't like DeAndre Ayton's personality, I think he can change it as long as the first thing that's got to be is that recognition of, i got to do some things different about how this, if I'm going to achieve the maximum amount of success that I want to. And there's got to be that willingness to do that there. And sometimes when people change, it takes a spurring on from other people. Yes. And so that's where I go back to the coach thing, and I know this is a hypothetical that we'll never know, but I have thought numerous times, what would Kyler Murray be if Bruce Arians was the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals? If Bruce Arians was doing what he did with everyone, he did not play any favorites in terms of calling players out, both internally and to the media as well. And I think the long story short of this whole thing is as much as you have invested in Kyler Murray and as much potential as he does have, you cannot give up on Kyler Murray with the Arizona Cardinals until you try another coach, another another play caller, another voice, you have to at least try that route before you make some tough decisions about moving on from Kyler Murray. That's why the fan base, I mean, in addition to the fact that he won a Super Bowl and it seemed like every single year they won 9, 10, 11 games, that's why the fan base gets so excited about Sean Payton. I mean, that's that's why you mentioned that name and everybody just, because, because they know, like, if there's anybody who's going to extract maximum Kyler Murray value, it's a coach like that, with a pedigree like that, with the respect like that. And and that's that's why I think 
Cardinal fans mostly get so excited about a Sean Payton because he's one of those guys who could get that out of him. It's tough for me to get excited about the Sean Payton stuff because to me, it's exactly like Kevin Durant and the Phoenix Suns. It's this big weenie that's been dangled out there and it's getting <laughs> everyone riled up. Everyone's getting excited that this major yeah. move is going to change. And I've been an Arizona sports fan my whole life. I've seen this movie too many times to be tantalized by this big shiny object and it never to come to fruition. Yeah. So I, I, big, it doesn't the to me. Name. I know. To I, me, I, it I doesn't it. have to it. be Sean Payton. Yeah, Sean Payton has the pedigree. He has what every Cardinal fan thinks can change Kyler Murray. But Sean Payton is not walking on water. He's not the only football guru that can instill something in Kyler Murray. Yeah. There's probably individuals out there that we're not even aware of that can do that same thing. That have that right personality to manage Kyler in a way where it's a little bit more tough love. Text your thoughts. The FanDuel text line. It is open for you right now on the Burns and Gambo show. You can text us at 620-620. One thing has been made crystal clear by the new head coach of ASU football. He wants players who want to be here. We'll explain next. Burns and Gambo. Football Friday with Burns and Gambo. Let's go! Presented by 72 Soul. Arizona sports, the local sports leader. It's almost like um, the radio gods intended for it to happen, that Jordan Bird was filling in for Gambo today. <laughs> and here, here's the reason why. I, I, as soon as I saw this story, I, I, I completely thought of you. As soon as I saw the story. Um, this is a story from our friends over at SunDevilSource.com. Of course, Chris Cartman and the crew do a fantastic job. ASU poised to add a national champion as their offensive coordinator. ASU has targeted Cal Poly head coach Bo Baldwin to be its OC, sources told 24-7 Sports on Friday. Baldwin previously served as Cal's offensive coordinator in the Pac-12, and here's the Jordan part, also led FCS power Eastern Washington to its first and only national championship in 2010. He won five Big Sky Conference championships while leading Eastern Washington to six FCS playoff berths in nine season. For anybody who doesn't know, Jordan is the king of all things FCS football. Nobody knows more about it than he does. I make no apologies for it. I went to an FCS school at NAU. Go Jack. So why would I not be invested and follow FC? I mean, huge game this weekend. Sacramento State and Richmond. Huge matchup. I mean, <laughs> if you say so. Oh, I mean, everyone's talking if about the 12-team so. playoff for uh-huh. FBS. Yeah. The FCS has been doing that for decades the FCS now. Says, hold my beer, man. Yeah. Scoop of chocolate, scoop of vanilla. Don't waste my time. Right? I, I love this Bo Baldwin pickup. I mean, he is forged in the fires of FCS football. <laughs> And is responsible for elevating Eastern Washington to what it was. I say what it was because they've had a few down years lately. But um, it, it, it's and also Cal Poly is a big sky school too as well. Um, but oh, of course it is. Yeah, um, yeah, I knew that. I, it, it, he coached Cooper Cup. Yeah, and he was. I think. I mean, it was an offense that I think kind of makes sense with uh, Kenny Dalingham at Oregon, where you have this vision now that is being put together by ASU of guys that seem passionate, guys that have ties either to. Arizona or the Pac-12, 
And I think what is most exciting about watching what ASU has done with Kenny Dillingham is everything seems to make sense. It's this move. Oh, yeah. Okay. I can see that. Charlie Ragel, also from the Big Sky Conference, was the head coach at Idaho State. Mm-hmm. Also the head coach at Chaparral, coached at U of A. It's, it's a lot of, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And I think coming off the Herm Edwards experience, having some common sense in this process is a breath of fresh air. Yeah. I promise we're not going to spend the whole segment dissecting the hiring of Bo Baldwin, but I just I had to laugh because I'm like, oh, my God, it's like right in Jordan's wheelhouse. It's funny. When I saw that, I knew you were going to mention oh, yeah, something. Yeah. About, yeah. Oh, yeah, because we always used to uh, – Jordan was our producer for a number of years. We always used to give him a hard time about how much he knew and loved the FCS. What we did want to talk about, though, when it comes to ASU was Kenny Dillingham, who was a guest today on the Bickley and Murata show. Now, uh, we are also going to have Kenny Dillingham on our show next week. We're going to have him in studio for at least a couple of segments. So we're looking forward to really kind of getting deep into how this is going to work with him. You're going to have the tissues ready. He's an emotional guy. <laughs> Hopefully by that, he's reined in the emotions a little bit. I loved bit. it. I I'm I, not criticizing. No, I loved oh, no. it. No, I know. it was That press conference last Sunday was a hell of a thing to watch. It really, it really, really was. So today he comes on Bickley and Murata, and again, man, he's just got the passion like pouring out. And it's, and it's, and it's just like you can feel it. You can hear it. And when talking about this idea of having to re-recruit ASU players, taking like an Elijah Badger, for example, the wide receiver for ASU. Teams are going to want him in the transfer portal, man. There's money out there waiting for him, NIL money waiting for him out there. When it comes to re-recruiting his own players, here's what Dillingham said that kind of stood out to me a little bit. Contrary to what a lot of people do nowadays, it's not to convince people not to transfer. I want people who want to be Sun Devils. I want people who wake up every day, they walk into that building, and they go, man, am I lucky. Man, can I wait? not wait to get to work. And that's what I told everybody that walked through that door is, you know what, this is my dream job. I'm going to be here forever as long, as long as I can. And we're going to do this the right way. We're going to get people in this building who want to be here. And uh, you'd be shocked how many people want to be here and love this place. It was the beginning of it, and I'll, I'll, I'll play it back again just real quick. This is the beginning. Hold on. Contrary to what a lot of people do nowadays, it's not to convince people not to transfer. I want people who want to be Sun Devils. I'm- right there. That's the part where I'm like, okay, now that I didn't expect to hear. Like a lot of what Kenny Dillingham has had to say, I don't want to call it predictable, but a lot of it I go, okay, that makes sense, that makes sense, that makes sense. Man, I don't know if the – you know, lack of concern about the transfer portal is the right play, you know, because I, not to look in one regard, you're talking about three and nine football team that wasn't any good. And it's almost one of those, hey, if you want to go, go kind of things. Cause yeah. it's, not, it's not like we were that good with you yeah. sort of thing. There are a couple of parts on this team, a couple of players on this. Elijah Badger is the one that stands out the most that you'd like to keep from leaving. Now, maybe, maybe it's just because Kenny Dillingham knows no matter what I say, no matter how hard I try, I'm not going to be able to keep some of those guys. They're going to go. I'm not going to be able to. I can stand in front of the door and say, don't leave, but there's really nothing I can do to stop them from going. Still, it's just an interesting tact. It's an interesting way to approach the problem because I would have thought that would have been one of his first biggest jobs is to re-recruit the guys who are here 
to make sure they don't go anywhere. See, but in a way, I think he is re-recruiting these guys by sending out these type of messages. Like, if you don't want to be here, fine. So be it. I'm good with it. But don't come back to ASU. Don't come back to the Tempe facility. Unless you want to be And be half-ass in it. You know, like, you need to be all in. And so, in a roundabout way, I think he kind of is re-recruiting these guys by saying, you know, we may not be able to offer those NILs like other schools, even in the Pac-12, may be able to offer you. But what we're going to be offering you is a way for you to put your mark on a program that hopefully is going to be turning the corner here. And I know that's a cliche of be the building block or be the foundation for a program be change. The, the first wave. Yeah. Be the, you know, Set the example. Yeah, that's cliche it, as cliche can be. Yeah, it, it is a little bit. But when it comes out of Kenny Dillingham's mouth, it makes you believe it in a sense. And so I think what else is the alternative? I mean, he's there's going to be there's going to be changeover. That's a given, right? Anytime you have a head coaching change like this, players are going to transfer out, sure. and also players are going to be transferring in too. Yeah. And so not only is he re-recruiting some of those guys that might be looking at greener pastures at the moment, but he's also sending a message to anyone out there who's thinking about leaving their current program and might be having an eye on Tempe and looking at the Sun Devils and say, okay, I kind of like what this guy is saying. Yeah, it's look, it's always every coach has an opportunity to pitch something. And I think for Herm, obviously, it was his NFL experience. I it thought was, it was about a train. <laughs> I thought we were going to ride a train all together. I don't know. Right, this train's not going to stop. It's not going to stop. Um, I think what Kenny Dillingham has to pitch, at least initially, is I've got an offense that will get you noticed in the NFL. I've got an offense that, you know, I, I don't know what his sell job is going to be to defensive players, but I think for offensive players, for quarterbacks, for wide receivers, it's, man, look what I did at Florida State. Look what I did at Oregon. Look what I did with these programs when it comes to like Bo Nix and quarterbacks and things like that. And I think that's how he sells it, at least initially, in terms of trying to get guys here. Hey, not so much a, you want to go to the NFL, come with me because I've been there kind of thing because he obviously can't say that herm could he can't he can say hey you want to put up some crazy good numbers come play for me in my system you're going to put up some crazy good numbers in my system well the thing i always remember about herm was they took kind of the perspective of we want you here for three years so after your junior year you've done enough that you're moving on to the nfl how much of that actually did happen at ASU during Herm Edwards' tenure? Very little. I mean, it was basically a false promise, right? What Kenny Dillingham is promising right now is much more attainable. Yeah. It's it's playing time. It's stats. It's numbers. It's getting the ball in your hand. That is way easier to control than telling an 18-year-old kid that in three years you're going to be playing in the NFL. I do think there was one. And let's go back and look at it. I think there was one year. It might have even been last year. I'm not saying it hasn't where, where, Yeah, where he, he did actually have a bunch of guys who... But Herm made it sound like it was going to be 15 guys oh, a season sure. that are jumping early to the NFL. Well, that was his whole pitch, right? That was his whole, I've been to the NFL. I know how to get you there. I've been to the NFL. We're going to create an NFL-like model here that's going to have a Marvin Lewis, that's going to have a Brian Billick, that's going to have a uh, Antonio Pierce, that's yeah. going to have guys who know the NFL game and we're basically going to be an NFL breeding ground here. And, and no, it, 
to the extent that you're talking to the extent that he was talking about when he got the job never happened never came close to happening so I, I think Dillingham's got to have a different pitch but boy does he he comes at it with the enthusiasm man that's I, for sure I think the biggest trait for him and why I like the hire is he knows what ASU is Herm Edwards how much did he really know besides the periphery of kind of what the ho-hum you know national stigma of ASU is Kenny Dillingham knows so he knows the issues that are going to be presented with transfers he knows the issues that are going to be presented with recruiting high school kids here I just feel like he's much more in tune with what the problems are and that will help him find solutions I'm not even sure that Herm Edwards knew the mascot of the team was a devil he was shocked about <laughs> that at his opening press well, no devils here yeah actually yeah you're surrounded by him oh that's right hey Phoenix get ready to cheer your team alongside Estrella Jalisco beer for a list watch uh, for a list of watch parties I should say and events text the word soccer to 620-620 please enjoy responsibly four and eight going into the bye week five games left what does Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury have to coach for the remainder of this season can he save his job we'll talk about that next Burns and Gambo Burns and Gambo, presented by 72 Sold, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from the Footprint Center today, our coverage this afternoon brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Jordan Bird, our former producer here on the Burns and Gamble Show, who was, was more than a producer. He filled in all the time for both of us. And, of course, we uh, since we're down here for the Suns game tonight, I, I part of me wishes Gambo were... I feel like you were teasing something. That... I wasn't. No. Oh, okay. I, all I, all I, I was, was doing getting was, kind of excited that was, we're going to hear Gambo well, from well, Boulder just, City. I, you know, just if, if it... If it can happen, I think a lot of people in our audience would love to hear it. But I, I have—I don't want to bother the man on his day off. Maybe somebody else on the show might want to bother <laughs> the man on his day off. But I don't want to bother the man on his day off. So we'll see. There's just a little. <laughs> I just got—I just got a team's message. Mitch, just pop on the microphone. Did you try? Did you try to? Call I did. Him? He said traveling all day. Sorry. <laughs> Come on, Gambo. Man, you're fun. See, I like to think, though, because uh, he's traveling to Las Vegas, Vegas, right? yeah, yeah. I like to think that he is using that as an opportunity to really explore Las Vegas today. And, like, the reason he can't join us is because he's at the tables or he's at the buffet or he's going to a show or, you know, he's just uh, living it up. Can you imagine Gambo at the tables? <laughs> nah, Bernsey, he would have to have you do it for him because he doesn't know how to do it. That's, that's true. Sir, that's you true. have a 19. Okay, hit me. <laughs> it would probably be like you'd have to go way off strip, like one of the, the station-type casinos. Uh, yeah. Just because it's a little bit less uh, in your face with the game. Like, you know, just ease him into well, it. Well, no, I mean, but like to Eric's point, you know that like that cheat card people carry oh, yeah. with them when they play black? I would be his cheat card. Yeah? Bungie, Bungie. Should I hit on this or should I take? Should I, should I, should I stay? Like Gambo, the card says you should hit. Are you sure? I'm supposed to hit on that? This adds up to 21. I, should I, I, I take another card? <laughs> I'm... A 16? I'm supposed to hit on a 16? Well, Gambo, the dealer's showing a 20. Yeah, you probably need to hit on that. I know, but I'm going to go bust. I, I know, but you, you got to try. Or is he gotta... Austin Powers? He has a five face up and he just holds? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he likes to live dangerously. <laughs> exactly. I would I would actually, for about two hours, I would enjoy being at a casino with... It Ooh. would be a, a real experience.
experience, watching him play cards, getting the, the complimentary cocktails, right? Just just navigating that way. Then I think after about two hours, I'd be like, you know what? Peace out. I'm See, done. I'm I think good. you could actually probably do like 15, 20 minutes because that will <laughs> that will feel like two hours. I would. I, I hope Gambo's enjoying Vegas the way it's meant to be enjoyed. It might be a little tough because he's got his son in tow and they're actually there for a baseball tournament. But oh well. Which we, Mitch, I appreciate you trying. Thank you for putting a a bug in his ear to see if we could get a little Gambo Jordan. Yeah. It just is not meant to be. It's just not meant to be. Yeah, and that's okay. Sometimes sometimes that happens. 2022 coaches with the most approved down the stretch. Here we go. This is a wide-ranging list that was on NFL.com today. I mean, it literally has coaches from all... Uh, Sean McDermott's on this list. Huh? And not because he's going to lose his job, but because... Okay, Buffalo, you've done just about everything there is for a team to do mm. without winning a Super Bowl. Are you going to do Are it? Are you going to do it? Uh, hey, Mike McCarthy, this is the best team you've had in a long time, and certainly your best team with the Cowboys. You might get OBJ. Did you see what um, Aikman said about Odell Beckham no. Jr.? He was on a radio show somewhere, I think in Dallas today. And he said, look, I've never known Jerry Jones to not get what he wants. And if Jerry Jones wants OBJ, he's going to get OBJ. I'll tell you right, that's where he's going to go. Now, Aikman's always been, you know, when it comes to the Cowboys, he's convinced that move would be extraordinary for them. And who knows, maybe it would, depending on the health of OBJ. The NFC is mediocre. Very. And that's why this Very. Cardinal season is such a pain yes. to the heart, is because even if you were just adequate this season, you could be... A playoff team in the NFC. The hot seat category of the coaches with the most approved down the stretch. Nathaniel Hackett, duh. Hmm. Sorry, Mitch, but duh. Dennis Allen, yeah. Lovey Smith, okay, uh, although. What do you expect? Exactly. And then, of course, Cliff Kingsbury, who's... And I I saw this, and it's got a little blurb about, you know, what the season and how sideways it's been and things like that. We had Steve Kime on the show earlier, and... I'm, all I can think to myself is, over these next five games, what is it a fait accompli that Cliff Kingsbury's not going to be the coach? Is there something he can do in these next five games to remain the head coach? Is he going to remain the head coach no matter what because of the contract extension? And I know I just shotgunned a yeah. bunch of questions out there, but every time I see him on a list like this, I, I, I know what I... Th- think is probably going to happen, but I, I'll be honest with you, I'm not exactly sure how this is going to go because of all these different variables yeah, here. No, I completely agree with you. I fully anticipate him to be back uh, just because of the contract extension and how costly it would be and how, in my mind, if the Cardinals get rid of Cliff Kingsbury, how in clear conscience can you bring back Steve Kime, who was the man who hired Cliff Kingsbury and was the man who hired Steve Wilkes and drafted Josh Rosen and drafted all, you know, like to me, they're connected at the hip. So because of that, I think they're both back. That's what I think. What I want is a full house cleaning. I just don't know if that's going to be... I just don't know if the Cardinals' Michael Bidwell is ready to pull that trigger to be that financially on the hook to pay Kime and Kingsbury plus the new guys that he brings in to replace them. Yeah, and, and of course a lot of it's going to depend on the contract. Gambo has been saying for a while now, from what he understands, like a fully guaranteed thing with Cliff, so that's going to be a mighty big pill to swallow on something like that. You, you know, the injuries, and I know nobody 
wants to hear about the injuries because nobody cares about the injuries. Certainly they have been a factor. Nobody would deny that. I'm sure when it comes to saving your job, if you're either one of those guys, that's probably the first thing you say, right? Like, okay, we were beat to hell all year long. Now, again, I'm not saying that's valid or that's right, and I'm not saying it's necessarily, you know, apples to apples, but it's funny that we're here in the home of the Suns and all the injuries that they've suffered, all the guys that they haven't had available, and it just doesn't... They just keep rolling along, right? They just keep winning because Devin Booker has found a way to rise above it all and bring the players with them, and the Cardinals who are left, who haven't gotten hurt, haven't been able to do that. Even stick it with the... Stay with the Cardinals. Go back to Bruce Arians. There was a mantra of next man up. Yeah. Because they had injuries, probably not to the same extent that the Cardinals have seen injuries this season, but nonetheless, they had injuries, and they had guys waiting in the wing to step up and fill those roles and play well enough to sustain the success of the team. Now, next man up has turned into a shoulder shrug and a huh, like they have not done the adequate legwork to sustain or to... Or to uh, make sure that the next man up exactly, can, can fill yes. the role. And, and I've, I've long believed, and I really, I really, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I, I really think one of the biggest failures over the summer was the whole Rodney Hudson situation. I mean, that's just been a mess. Yeah. That, that, that's been a mess in that, you know, was he going to retire? Was he thinking about retiring? By thinking about it, was he basically retired already? Should they have been better prepared for this? And the answer to that is yes, they should have been better prepared for this. They should have been more ready for a lack of availability for Rodney Hudson. I, I just think the closer we get to the end of the season, and maybe I'm totally wrong about this, maybe on Black Monday, it will be a clean house for the Cardinals. I just think between the extensions and the injuries, that will be the let's give it one more shot, and I just don't think that's the best thing for Kyler Murray. I really don't. I don't think that's the best. If you're trying to make Kyler Murray the best quarterback he can be, just running it back, I I don't think is the path to get there. It's not the path to get there. It's not the best for Kyler Murray, and let's be honest, this is a business. It's not best for business. There is a real level of apathy around the Arizona Cardinal fan base, and if Kime and Kingsbury do get brought back next season, there's a lot of people that are going to throw their hands up and say, okay, what am I supposed to be excited about for the 2023 Arizona Cardinals? Oh, that I got my fingers crossed that the team's going to stay healthy and we're going to see all of these weapons at the same time. It's going to be a we're running back the same thing again. What is that old saying that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing twice and expecting different results? Exactly, yeah. That's what it would feel like bringing back Kime and Kingsbury, that you're doing the same thing and just magically expecting everything to work out now in year five. It's not like it would be year two or that, okay, we had a year under our belt, we figured it out. We have a large enough sample size, I believe, as a fan to say, this is not working, it's time to move on. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, did you hear what Steve Kime, GM of the Cardinals, had to say about his quarterback's character. You're going to want to hear it. It's coming up next on the Burns and Gambo Show.